My brothers and sisters, Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. You may be seated. A story, a parable, is told concerning twins. They are still inside of their mother's womb, and they begin to strike up a conversation. Do you think, do you think that there is life after the womb? One twin says to the other. I I don't think so, replied the second twin. After all, it seems like we have everything we need right here. We are constantly fed, and our bed is very, very comfortable although pregnant moms may not agree with that. And we have one another to keep each other company in this life. Yeah, yeah, says the first twin, but what about some of those other things, like our hands and our feet and our muscles? Maybe we're going to use our bodies for great things one day. And what about our eyes and our ears and our noses and our mouths? Things that we might see and taste and touch and smell and feel. Do you think maybe we were made for something else? Well, go on, replied the other twin. And and what about our minds? The things that we can think and that we can imagine. The stories that we might write. The music we might create. The businesses and the buildings that we might build. And do you know what it's like? Do you know what it's like when we're really really still and quiet and we can hear the beating of a heart and it even pulses through our own bodies and that soft sweet voice that's constantly calling to us it just seems like there's life beyond the womb Like there's someone out there who wants to have, who's waiting to have a relationship with us. Surely we wouldn't even be here if it weren't for that person. Oh goodness, cries the second twin. That does sound good. And it sounds right. And it sounds true. And I want to believe you. I really, really do. I wish I could. But there's just one problem. One tiny little problem. There's no evidence. No one has ever come back from life after the womb to tell us about it. Well, here's another story, and this one's not a parable. This one really happened. We'll call this one Life After the Tomb. Early one Sunday morning, about 2,000 years ago, just outside of the holy city of Jerusalem in the land we know as Israel, three women went on a journey. Their names were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. They, like us, were someone's spouse. They, like us, were someone's parents. They, like us, were someone's sibling. They, like us, were someone's friend. And they most importantly, were followers of Jesus, who is called the Christ. We know where they're going, don't we? They're going to visit Jesus' tomb. They were going there to pay their respects. And let's be clear, as they were going, they had absolutely no expectation whatsoever, none, 
of the possibility of resurrection. Most of us have done something like this journey. We've lost someone who we dearly and deeply loved. We've gone to visit their grave and we've taken with us perhaps a a token of our love. Maybe a picture. Maybe a flower that we would then leave at the graveside. Maybe a poem or a passage that we might read in memory of our love for that person. We've done things like that. And these ladies were on that kind of journey. And they carried some things with them as well. They carried some things in their hands. And they carried some things in their heart. In their hands, they carried the burial spices. Spices to anoint Jesus' dead body. They were going into the tomb to anoint his dead body to reduce the stench of his decaying body. In their hearts, they carried the heavier load, though. There they carried with them the weight of death. Only this death was much heavier than usual. It's painful to lose a loved one. We know that. But here's what the loss of Jesus Christ meant. They had heard his powerful teaching. He had said things like, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you'll never die. And they had watched him support his words with his deeds. He healed people who were sick. He cast demons out of people who were oppressed by the devil. And he raised no fewer than three people from the dead during his earthly life and ministry. This was not an ordinary death because Jesus was causing extraordinary things to happen. He was showing signs of what we call reversing the curse of death. But if that guy, if that guy who seemed to have the power and the ability to do something about it, if that guy were now dead, well, that could only mean one thing. Death is still winning. Death is still winning. And now, not just the physical death of a loved one, some other things were dying as well. Things maybe that you and I can also identify with. Things like faith. In whom would they now place their faith? Things like hope. How would they find hope? Things like love. He loved them so deeply. Where could they replace that kind of love that they had never experienced before? And many people, we know this, they're living like that right now. Maybe you came here this morning and some of these kinds of things are in your heart. And let me say this, my friends, the culture is not helping us. We are surrounded, if you haven't noticed, by a culture of death. But not in the church. Not in the church. The church, you see, is the embodiment of life. The church is the womb of faith and hope and love. Where people come all the time to be reborn into her bosom. In fact, we even call it the sacrament of new birth, holy baptism. And we're going to celebrate it this morning. Three, three baptisms this morning, three people coming with faith, hope, and love, and life in new birth. You see, the problem in the parable is that the twins didn't know. No one had ever come back to tell them about it. There was no evidence of life after the womb. But our story, the Christian story, there's no problem here. There's no problem. Someone, in fact, has come back to tell us about it. 
His name is Jesus. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And He is our sure and certain evidence that there is life after the tomb. So let's bring these ideas together for our sake and for our own story. Three women on a journey. Their journey was a lot like ours. Their struggles were the same as ours. And when they arrive at the tomb, they were confronted with three things. Three things that helped them put it all together. A moving stone, a missing body, and a mystery man. A moving stone, a missing body, and a mystery man. When they arrived at the tomb, they found that the stone had been rolled away. But the moving stone alone didn't equal resurrection. Maybe someone had just arrived there before them and already moved the stone. When they then went into the tomb, Jesus' body wasn't there. But the missing body alone doesn't equal resurrection. Maybe the folks who had arrived before them took the body somewhere else. But then there's this mystery man. And this mystery man, and I want us to be there with him, he's actually inside of the tomb. He's in there. And maybe, just maybe, there in the darkness of death, those three women, the heartbeat of life, began to pound in their chest. And maybe the heartbeat of life began to pulse throughout their bodies. And that sweet voice began to echo someone who sounded like he was calling to them from life beyond the tomb. And so the mystery man starts speaking to them. He says, do not be afraid. I imagine we'd all be pretty afraid if we walked into those circumstances. Do not be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And in the most startling statement in human history, I can't possibly overstate this, He is risen. He is risen from the dead. He is not here. And then He says, look for yourself. See the place where they laid him. And then he says, go and tell the disciples and Peter, he's going to before you to Galilee. There, there you will see him just as he told you it would be. He said that before he was crucified, that he was going to be raised from the dead. And I, this mystery man, I'm here to tell you today's the day. It's happening now. This is not only good news, this is the best news the world has ever heard, period, paragraph. Friends, what's pulsing in your body right now? What's pulsing in your body right now? Is it pain or is it promise? Is it the pain of unforgiveness, broken trust, loss of faith, hope and love, loss of a loved one, loss of life, or is it promise? Is it the promise that Jesus is who He says He is because He's done what He said He would do? And more than that, He's given the benefits of it to all of us. To every one of us, man, woman, and child, here gathered in this room, churches all over Fort Worth, churches all over the world, this sweeping celebration of the resurrection is happening all over the world today. So let me leave you with one last story. This one's also true. This one happened 2,000 years after the fact, after these facts of our faith that I've been describing right now. 2,000 years after Jesus' resurrection, long about the late 1960s, early 1970s, right here in the good, U U uh, good old U.S. of A., 
Let me try that again. I've been working on that line all week and I couldn't get it. <laughs> Good old U.S. of A. Woohoo! <laughs> Peanuts and popcorn and all that. Well, someone else thought it was worth investigating. He was at a pretty low point in his life. He had done some pretty bad stuff in a pretty bold way, and he was in pretty big need of true forgiveness. Things like faith and hope and love and life were fading fast for him. Chuck Colson. Perhaps you remember him. He was special counsel to President Nixon from 1969 to 1973. He was the first one, the first one incarcerated in the Watergate scandal. He served seven months in the federal prison in Alabama for obstruction of justice. Colson, it turns out, was defending a great big lie, a great big lie, and he knew it. In 1973, Colson became a committed Christian. Some would call it an act of desperation. Some even more cynical would say he was looking for a crutch, a way out. But here's what Colson himself said about his conversion to Christianity. He said this. He said, I know. I know the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fact. I know it's a fact. He said, Watergate proved it to me, and here's how. He said, 12 men... Twelve men testified that they saw Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And then not only did they testify to that in that moment, they went on for 40 years. For 40 years, these twelve continued to proclaim that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. They never once denied it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison, and many were executed for that one statement. And then Colson said this, they simply would not have endured that if it were not true. He said, Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep their lie for three weeks. They couldn't keep their lie for three weeks. You're telling me that 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Colson concludes, absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. Colson's conversion marked a radical change in his life. He founded the nonprofit ministry Prison Fellowship International. Imagine that. After he himself gets out of prison, what does he do? He goes back into prison to minister the resurrection of Jesus Christ to those who were without faith, those who were without hope, those who were without love, and those who were sure to lose their life. I could go on and on about Colson, but I'll leave it here. Isn't it worth investigating ourselves? Isn't it worth the fullness of investigation on our own? I mean, if Jesus is daring to make the claim, and get this, no one else in the history of the world has made the claim, and then, if a few people at first... And then in a few days, 500 people. And then in a few more days, 5,000 people. And soon millions of people. And then billions of people. All over the world, throughout time and space for 2,000 years. If they form the largest enterprise ever known in human history. And if they persevere in spite of insult, persecution, internal divisions. 
all of the problems that they beset that beset them isn't it worth investigating ourselves you see my friends all of the evidence points toward one conclusion there is someone who made us there is someone out there who loves us there is someone who wants to have an eternal relationship with us his name is Jesus Christ and because of who he is and by what he has done we don't have to wonder anymore we don't have to guess anymore finally someone has come back from life after the tomb to tell us about it so let me in here I found another picture that I wanted to show you this morning would you agree with me that that's a kid who gets it Would you agree with me that we want all of the babies who are baptized here this morning to behave just like that at their baptism? Absolutely. But more than that, more than that, more than that, I hope you find Jesus Christ here today. 